the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Good afternoon and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. James Blend is producing, Clark Hilton Engineering, and Dan Rice has given up the use of his office for the sake of the cause. It's been about nine months now. He's very gracious. Well, today on the program, we're going to talk with Pastor Greg Allen. He's the pastor at Bethany Bible Church. We're going to talk about the reason for the season, so I hope you'll stick around for that. It's a good conversation. We'll also take a look at some of the headline news of the day and anticipate what's going to happen. Well, taking a look at the headlines, a group of House Republicans on Wednesday urged President Trump to veto an approximately $1.4 trillion omnibus spending bill. It's being negotiated in Congress. They describe it as an example of swamp politics in Washington, D.C. Well, the letter was signed by 14 Republicans, including Representative Andy Biggs of Arizona and Chip Roy of Texas. It describes the measure as a massive take-it-or-leave-it bill negotiated behind closed doors that expands government, spends at record levels well above 2011 base cap levels, and funds unnecessary or even harmful federal programs. Now, this is going to be the norm starting in January, but trying to postpone it during this administration is what these 14 Republicans are asking for. Well, negotiations were expected to resume today among congressional leaders in an effort to come to an agreement on the massive spending bill and to prevent a government shutdown, as well as a separate coronavirus stimulus package. Well, um, while the omnibus spending package was in good shape, that's in quotes, policy issues remained, which means it may require another interim spending bill to avoid a government shutdown this weekend after the Friday deadline. Here we are again. Well, the Republican lawmakers say the omnibus would be would significantly increase the national debt and blame the bill in part on House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, arguing that the measure would fully fund an agenda rejected by the American people, highlighting that Pelosi's majority in the House was shrunk in the November election. In other developments, President-elect Biden's inaugural committee is offering special VIP access to corporations that donate a million dollars. Now, that's not altogether uh, unusual, except there won't exactly be an inauguration as we have known it. And a Trump campaign poll is asking if he should run for president in 2024. The report on foreign election influence is going to be delayed because there is a dispute. And Georgia's secretary of state says Trump lost because the GOP got outworked. GOP Senator Ron Johnson explained the fiery Capitol Hill clash against Democrat Gary Peters that took place. The Senate Homeland Security Chairman Ron Johnson told Bill Hemmer on uh, his program on Wednesday that his spat with ranking member Senator Gary Peters, a Democrat from Michigan, during a hearing on election irregularities stemmed from Peters entering the widely discredited Steele dossier into the Senate record following the 2016 election. Peters was talking like the hearing was about Russian disinformation, Johnson told the host. It's not. The fact of the matter is that senior Democrats, including Senator Peters, constructed this false intelligence product, classified it, leaked it to the press, then accusing Senator Chuck Grassley and I in the Hunter Biden investigation of accepting and disseminating Russian disinformation. 
Well, nothing could have been further from the truth, Johnson said. He argued that Peters had introduced actual disinformation in the form of the dossier into the record. Well, here he is at a hearing that has nothing to do with Russian disinformation, talking about that like this is a hearing on Russian disinformation, the Republican went on to conclude. I just had to call him out on the fact that it's the Democrats, Hillary Clinton, the DNC paying for the Steele dossier, which was Russian disinformation. Well, Johnson said Peters and other Democrats have shown hypocrisy by expressing outrage about Republican efforts to either litigate or further investigate allegations of fraud and other irregularities following the 2020 election. Representative-elect Lauren Boebert blasted the the Democrats for trying to ban her from carrying a gun at the Capitol. I don't know what the rules are with regard to that. And Dr. Ben Carson has recounted his battle with COVID. He said he had fevers and chills, says he couldn't even keep water down. It was not an easy road. Meanwhile, President-elect Biden says schools should reopen within the first 100 days in his call with governors. A Democratic governor who encouraged people to stay home got caught out at a wine bar. The uh, coronavirus apparently has a political bent to it. If you have the right ideology and you hold a position of authority, you're exempt. Uh, Vice President Pence is planning to get the coronavirus uh, vaccine on Friday, while President-elect Biden plans on getting it next week. Well, the first major snowfall to hit the East Coast as this season has dumped several inches of snow on multiple states and led to a massive pileup in central Pennsylvania that left at least two dead. That's according to state police. Authorities said somewhere between 30 and 60 cars were involved in the crash on Interstate 80 in Clinton County between Longington and Lock Haven. Multiple people were injured. There was also a 20-vehicle pileup in New York City, according to city officials there and the fire department. Authorities urge people to stay home and not travel unless it's absolutely necessary. Confidence is high that this major winter storm will result in significant impacts, including travel disruptions and power outages across much of the northern mid-Atlantic, southern New York, and southern into um, central New England, the National Weather Service wrote. Up to 60 million East Coast residents face storm warnings or advisories on Wednesday, according to the National Weather Service. Many of them spent the morning preparing for the arrival of what the Weather Channel dubbed Winter Storm Gale, expected to spread over uh, nearly 1,000 miles. So we have it pretty mild here with all the uh, limitations that we're under. Well, a Florida tornado flipped cars, sheared rooftops, and downed trees. And a major nor'easter is set to bring about two feet of snow in parts of uh, the East Coast. FedEx and Pfizer safeguard COVID-19 vaccine distribution ahead of the severe storm so that that will not have an impact on its distribution. Well, a North Carolina police officer has been killed and another wounded in a shootout. The suspect in that um, shootout is dead. Jill Biden's dissertation is being criticized in a viral Twitter thread saying it was bad. And Dr. Fauci told Americans not to see their kids for Christmas. Tyson has fired seven of its managers after an investigation into the COVID-19 betting ring. And uh, President-elect Biden may have a problem at the border early in his administration. The Georgia Senate special election is seeing gun groups battling over campaign spending. And the Fed is painting a bright outlook for 2021. I'd love to see more details on that. Congress is closing in on a $900 billion relief bill that could include stimulus checks. And Elon Musk is sending another company into Texas with the feud, California. Well, as I mentioned, Dr. Fauci said, forget family and getting together, he says, as he plans to shun his family. 
He also said the Christmas holiday is a special holiday for us because Christmas Eve is my birthday and Christmas Day is Christmas. Well, he appears to have no idea why Christmas is actually special, but happy birthday, Dr. Fauci. Uh, Newt Gingrich says uh, Georgia Senate candidate Warnock is anti-American and anti-democracy. From the Peace and Newsweek, he says Warnock demonizes police and idealized, uh, ide- rather idolizes criminals. At the same time that he denigrates law enforcement, he wants to end cash bail uh, to let people who are arrested and charged with crimes like theft, trespassing, vandalism, public drug use, and public urination to be immediately released back into the streets. A piece in the Wall Street Journal notes that he is a pastor whose weekly sermons at the Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta are recorded and available online, and he is the sort of uh, left-wing clergyman who likes to make political pronouncements and to sign sign high-minded political statements. Then it looks at his uh, far-left position against Israel. That's in the Wall Street Journal. Facebook and Twitter donated to the Biden campaign while at the same time blocking Hunter Biden revelations. The companies have been under uh, under fire about, or rather after, they both sought to limit Sharing of the uh, the posts reporting on the Hunter Biden shadowy business deals in the Ukraine and China with Twitter locking the newspaper's account for two weeks. Byron York says with one hand suppressing negative uh, reports about Joe Biden with the other donating to his campaign. A healthcare worker in Alaska has been hospitalized for her reaction to the vaccine. The Alaskan worker's reaction was believed to be anaphylactic, similar to two reactions witnessed in the UK last week after each person received the vaccine jointly developed by Pfizer and BioNTech. Though serious, both people in the UK have since finally recovered. There was a second case in Alaska. USA Today says some of the trials caused face paralysis and Joe Biden plans to get his vaccine publicly next week. Well, the Negro League baseball stats are now included in Major League Baseball records. For historical merit, today is extraordinarily important. Having been around so many of the Negro League players, they never looked to the Major League Baseball to validate them. That's a quote from Negro League's Baseball Museum president, Bob Kendrick, in a statement. But for fans and for historical sake, This is significant. It really is. Ed Morrissey points out, it's great to see the vanguard of black athletes like Robinson, Monty Irvin, and Satchel Paige get a more complete accounting of their career. Josh Gibson was already well-known as one of baseball's top sluggers, even though he died just before Robinson finally broke the color line in Major League Baseball. But even better, this long-delayed correction to the record allows many other players to become part of the fabric of Major League Baseball and hopefully opens their careers up to more people, as many as 3,400 players, according to the AP. The Negro League was incredible in terms of the athletes uh, that played with it and were developed there. Well, the Supreme Court is going to hear a case on paying college players Uh, The high court's actions come after a three-judge panel of the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals ruled in May. Well, the panel upheld a lower court ruling barring the NC2A uh, from capping education-related compensation and benefits for student-athletes in Division I football and basketball programs. Division I conference can still independently set their own rules. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Need to take a quick break, but we'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. In our second hour today, I'm going to have a conversation with Pastor Greg Allen. He is the pastor at Bethany Bible Church. We're going to talk about the reason for the season and various aspects of Christmas. So I hope you'll join us. Well, Mr. Cuomo has signed a bill banning the sale of Confederate flags there. 
I'm not sure you can actually do that, but uh, he's going to. You might remember that uh, Senator Feinstein is now being called into question because back in, what, the mid-60s, she was actually involved in one being displayed or purchasing one or something. The sins of the uh, senator fall to the governor and the mayor, I guess. AOC wants Schumer and Pelosi out. The one they created is ready to eat them, apparently. Well, Paris's mayor has been fined for appointing too many women. Because the story informs us, French law dictates that men and women must be represented in local government at a rate of at least 40% each. So you have a, a statistic or a, a quota there. And if you have too many women, then that becomes a problem. Well, Hunter Biden in 2017 sent best wishes from the entire Biden family to a China firm chairman. And Joe Biden says he is confident Hunter did nothing wrong. We'll see what happens there. And despite his supposed downfall, Jeffrey Tubin is holding on to his post at CNN. Well, the nation's top high school is poised to pick students based on race, not achievement. I thought that was the opposite of what we were supposed to be moving toward. And retail sales fell 1.1% in November, the biggest drop in seven months. However, the Fed raises uh, its economic outlook, seeing 4.2% growth next year and 5% unemployment. Well, the U.S. has branded uh, Vietnam and Switzerland as currency manipulators. In big techs, tech rather, Texas and nine other states have filed a new antitrust lawsuit against Google. And the Cartoon Network is promoting the use of self-selected pronouns to six-year-olds. Guardians of the Galaxy comic confirms that Star-Lord, one of their characters, is bisexual. I'm sorry, who cares? Oh, okay. Well, the study finds a third of young Americans, uh, young American adults, have no religious affiliation. That's a third. And around the nation, feds have cut off California over its abortion insurance mandate. And fleeing New Yorkers resulted in an estimated $34 billion in lost income there. All told, a net 70,000 people left the metropolitan region this year. About 3.57 million people left New York City this year between January 1st and December 7th, according to Unicast or Unicast, which analyzed uh, cell phone location data. Some 3.5 million people earning uh, lower Average incomes moved into the city during that period, the report showed. Well, the Ninth Circuit is enjoined the Nevada COVID. Uh, it's an order discriminating against houses of worship. And uh, President-elect Biden plans to tap the military to further his ambitious climate agenda. I'm not sure what that will do for national defense, but uh, that's what his plan is. And Britain is planning to ban new petrol cars by 2030 on the road to net zero emissions. Meanwhile, Toyota's chief correctly says electric vehicles are overhyped. Well, NBC offers a tutorial on how to talk to your friends and family about COVID, vaccines, and wearing masks, because quite frankly, we just couldn't pull that off ourselves. We just don't have it. One caveat emptor, the same enlightening news outlets, outlet rather infamously reported on May the 15th, fact check, coronavirus vaccine could come this year, Trump says. Experts say he needs a miracle to be right. Apparently, President Trump got his miracle. And Major League Baseball, again, officially reclassifies the Negro Leagues as a major league. On this day in history, 1992, President George Herbert Walker Bush, Canadian Prime Minister Brian Mulroney, Mulroney rather, and the Mexican President Carlos Salinas uh, signed the North American Free Trade Agreement in separate ceremonies. After approval by the legislative bodies of the leaders' respective countries, the treaty would come into force on January 1st, 1994. 
fell out of favor during this current administration. On this day in history, 1777, France recognizes American independence. Thank you very much. And 1903, Wilbur and Orville Wright of Dayton, Ohio, conduct the first successful man-powered airplane flights near Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, using their experimental craft, the Wright Flyer. 1944, the U.S. War Department announces it's uh, ending its policy of excluding people of Japanese ancestry from the West Coast. 1957, the United States successfully test fires the Atlas Intercontinental Ballistic Missile for the first time. 1969, on this day in history, the U.S. Air Force closes its Project Blue Book by concluding there, uh, there's no evidence of extraterrestrial spaceships behind thousands of UFO sightings. Well, the um, director of national intelligence, John Radcliffe, he says that there was foreign interference in the November election. Uh, he confirmed that there is uh, this kind of interference um, and says, well, DNI Radcliffe leads the 17 intelligence agency. He has access to the most highly classified information that is held by the U.S. government. And he told CBS News that there was foreign interference by China. Iran, Russia in November of this year, and he's anticipating a public report of those findings in January. Ratcliffe's office did not immediately respond uh, for confirmation of the report, but his statement contradicts others made by national security officials. Christopher Krebs, the recently fired top cybersecurity official during the presidential election, testified before the Senate Homeland Security Committee and Government Affairs Committee on Wednesday. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election, election, Krebs said. On November 27th, 60 Minutes interview, uh, Krebs was asked what he thought of the Trump legal team's allegations that votes were tabulated in foreign countries and were manipulated. So all the votes in the United States of America are counted in the United States of America, Krebs said. I don't understand this claim. All votes in the United States are counted in the United States, period. Well, adding, so again, there's no evidence that any machine that I'm aware of has been manipulated by a foreign power, period. Well, Sidney Powell, a former federal prosecutor who's been seen working alongside President Trump's legal team pushing uh, for the election challenges, filed a letter with the Supreme Court on the 13th of December to notify them of two batches of recently obtained evidence about Dominion voting systems, voting equipment. Well, her letter outlines new affidavits from two forensic experts who allege that international interference interference rather took place in the 2020 election and that the Dominion systems were connected to foreign systems around the globe. Well, Powell said that two military intelligence analysts have signed sworn affidavits stating that the SSL certificates from DominionVoting.com were used multiple times from Canada, Serbia and the United States. Meanwhile, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence confirmed that their upcoming report includes information about relevant foreign threats from the recent election. Well, the IC, and I'm quoting um, Amanda, uh, her name is Scoach, a spokesperson for the office. She says the IC has received relevant reporting since the election and a number of agencies have not finished coordinating on the product, um, adding that Ratcliffe remains committed to an uh, expeditious release of that report. So questions still unanswered. Again, these will not impact the outcome of the election, but for the sake of future elections, it's important to get to the bottom of uh, these affidavits, these accusations, and these denials. Hopefully that will be the case. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back. 
You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Coming up in our second hour, we'll hear from Pastor Greg Allen, Bethany Bible Church. We'll talk about the reason for the season. Well, the FDA has endorsed Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine. The uh, Food and Drug Administration Advisory Panel voted on Thursday to endorse Moderna's coronavirus vaccine. And that, of course, clears the way for FDA leaders to authorize emergency mass distribution with the ongoing surge of COVID-19 cases across the country. Well, the vote was 20 to 0. One committee member abstained. Well, the committee was charged with voting on the following question. Based on the totality of scientific evidence available, do the benefits of the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine outweigh its risks for use in individual individuals 18 years of age and older. The same question that Pfizer was uh, asked. The highly anticipated meeting included uh, members of the FDA's Centers for Biologics Evaluation and Research Advisory Committee, outside vaccine experts, and Moderna representatives. And although significant, um, the committee's vote in favor of the EUA is not final, the vote will now go before the FDA officials who will decide whether to grant emergency use authorization, and that's based on the committee's findings. That approval would come about a week after the regulatory agency granted um, uh, to Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine for individuals age 16 and older, which states have uh, begun rolling out to healthcare workers this week. Well, similar process ensued after a panel of independent experts advising the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recently uh, voted to, that healthcare workers and residents of long-term care facilities will be the first to receive the long-awaited coronavirus vaccine. That decision required approval from CDC Director Robert Redfield. Well, the FDA panel's vote to approve the company's EUA has uh, was expected, rather, with documents posted ahead of the agency's scheduled uh, meeting on the 17th, showing that the candidate met the FDA's requirements for emergency use. For, so this is good news. An FDA committee's uh, review of Moderna's coronavirus vaccine emergency use authorization application found no specific safety concerns in subgroup a- analysis by age, race, ethnicity, medical um, comorbidities or prior SARS-CoV-2 infection, potentially paving the way for a second COVID-19 jab to enter the scene. Well, the panel also found that the vaccine reduced the risk of confirmed COVID-19, includes severe uh, cases occurring at least 14 days after the second dose. And this, again, requires two doses to be of maximum effectiveness. In other news, the Labor Department announced today that about 885,000 Americans filed unemployment claims this week, the highest weekly total since September. Well, last week's claim rose from 862,000 recorded during the previous week. And come amid rising coronavirus cases, hospitalizations and deaths across the U.S., well, average weekly jobless claims from before the pandemic totaled roughly 225,000 and again up 885. 85,000 now. Well, the next few months will be pretty rough for the labor market as you do see business having to contend with this latest wave of COVID cases. Wells Fargo Security Senior Economist Sarah Howes told the Wall Street Journal that you're seeing those government restrictions coming into play again. There are currently 20.6 million Americans receiving some kind of unemployment benefits. Data firm Wampley reported that 23% of American local businesses are closed as of December 1st, including 41% of local bars, 28% of restaurants. Retail sales fell 1.1% in November in a skittish start to the holiday season. Operation Santa 
run annually by the U.S. Postal Service, has provided a pretty unique insight into the lives of young Americans in the year 2020, as many letters that are postmarked for the North Pole express how the coronavirus pandemic has impacted children and their parents this Christmas season. As a 108-year-old program, it now runs nationwide. Anyone, anywhere in the country can send a letter to Santa, and it's going to be uploaded into the system. If it's uh, addressed correctly and has a postage stamp, people can then adopt one or multiple letters and purchase gifts to ship. So it's not just collecting the letters, it's giving people an opportunity to answer those letters. 2020 has seen its share of challenges affecting individuals and families in so many ways. That's the U.S. Post Service uh, spokeswoman Kim Frum in a statement. Uh, she says COVID-19 resulted in job losses, temporary unemployment, and sadly, the loss of family and friends. Couple that with devastation from natural disasters, and it's easy to see why the U.S. Postal Service Operation Santa program is more important than ever. In one letter, a boy named James described how despite his family getting into a car accident and not having a lot of money after his grandfather lost her job, grandmother lost her job, he was still grateful that there was, uh, they all remained healthy and stayed indoors to spend quality time together. Sweet kid. I'm praying you can help us have Christmas this year. We don't have a tree. Honestly, we don't have money for anything, not even my birthday in November. But it's okay, I understand, because my grandparents have been raising me, and I love them very much, the letter read. I forgot that COVID-19 was also in the struggle, the boy continued. We never got it, we just stayed safe. But it was different. We got closer, did lots of family stuff, like played games, connect for, and cooked. Church brought us food one time, he says. Well, as of Thursday, nearly 17,000 letters have been adopted, and nearly 27 thousand adopters have been registered. Uh, Frum says she explained that there are many letters this year mentioning the pandemic, but it's not overwhelming. Another letter penned by a boy named Anthony asked Santa to have his uh, elves create a specific type of video game similar to the movie Jumanji that would allow him to escape from the pandemic. Most of these days in COVID, I really feel down in the dumps and that game will kind of be like me uh, a way of escaping reality. Hope you have a Merry Christmas, Anthony. Looking for a game to take him out of his reality. Well, the spokesperson for the postmaster from said, uh, not all letters are written by children. And in a third shared uh, with the uh, news outlets, a woman named Hallie, she asked for help affording a more reliable vehicle now that the coronavirus made public transportation not safe for kids. She's a single mom of three children, age nine, eight, and two, Two and a half, rather. Hallie said that she was diagnosed with cancer last year, and she, uh, uh, I have uh, to get checks every six months downstate. I have a vehicle at the moment, but I can't afford to get the transmission fixed. I'm not asking for a brand new vehicle, she wrote. If someone can make my own, uh, only wish come true, that would be appreciated. Well, for security reasons, potential adopters have to be vetted by going through a short registration and ID verification if you're interested before they're allowed to adopt any letter. Shipping these uh, packages can be uh, uh, completed at a particular post office location. It's going to allow the requesting and responding families to remain anonymous. All the letters are searchable by state. Well, adoptions opened up at the Postal Service, OperationSanta.com, earlier this month and run through the 19th. The program started officially accepting letters on November 16th and will continue accepting them through well, yesterday. But the Postal Service has been receiving letters since at least late October. 
The program has always been about providing holiday gifts for families who may not have the means to provide for anything more than the basic everyday needs, if that. This year, there are likely more families impacted financially and emotionally, the spokesperson said. It's going to be hard to celebrate the holidays without loved ones, whether because of distance or actual loss, but being able to provide even the tiniest bit of normalcy or spark of happiness to those in need would mean the world to so many people at this moment. Well, the holidays are about kindness, joy, family, and friends. We'll talk later in the program about all that the holidays are about. She says the adopters of the letters in the program truly embody the spirit of the season by opening their hearts and showing those in need that they're not alone and they deserve to have a special season too. Well, letters uh, must include Santa's mailing address, the complete zip code, a return address, and a stamp. By the way, they're no longer taking them, but it's Santa Claus, 123 Elf Road, North Pole, 88888. A lot of people hurting, and I mention it not just to encourage people to sign up for this program, but to be aware of what's happening with our neighbors. There may be people in our very neighborhood who are really struggling, and you and your family might be in a position to come alongside them and help. What a tremendous opportunity to open a door that may lead to more meaningful conversation. So keep that in mind. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. And speaking of meaningful conversation, we're going to talk with Pastor Greg Allen in the 5 o'clock hour of today's program. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Well, the year is 2020. Well, 2020 years from what? Well, most people still know what uh, event initiates our calendar. Few people know why. That's because we have long ago stopped paying attention to history. Well, one of the reasons that it's so hard to read and understand ancient history books is that they lack a unified chronology. Herodotus, Plutarch, etc. never say this happened in the year X. Instead, they give you a lot of uh, in the 10th year of the region of emperor such and such or in the year of the 50th Olympiad, etc. Well, modern readers scratch their heads and ask, well, why? Well, they should be asking, why not? We're so used to the idea of a collective, universal and non-resetting dating system that we take it for granted. The citizens of the rest of history would be as confused by us as we are by them. What, after all, is the point of knowing the timing of events or other civilizations in relation to our own. Who cares? We're human, and they barely are, we might reason. We have gods who we love, and they have gods who we hate. We have uh, nothing to learn from them. They have uh, been a threat to us and our society, they would have reasoned. The only dates in our history that we care about are the dates of the wars that have uh, they've had with us, and we already know those dates. They're either dates of our glory or battles that we won, or dates where a shame and treachery led to our having lost. Well, these are ancient men, um, what they might say about history. Well, that started to change with a, with a birth. Eastern, probably Babylonian scholars, noted the uh, signs of a birth of a great king, not their own, nor even Rome's. They traveled across the known world, daring many dangers and passing through the fiefdoms of many gods and kings to find him. They brought him gifts of imperial tribute, gold and spices, even though they already had a king back in their homeland and the world already had an emperor. Well, they did this under the nose of a usurper who reacted with such rage that he unleashed a genocidal rage against all of the boys in that town. The boy king became a refugee. 
When he came home, he took up residence in a town known for its mix of races and languages. He worked with Latin-speaking foremen, Greek-speaking architects, and learned the Hebrew of his fathers from rabbis. At home, he spoke Aramaic that his ancestors had picked up after being forced to march into Babylon. Well, later he became a teacher. He taught the Torah to a Samaritan woman, breaking religious, ethnic, and gender barriers at the same time. He reasoned with rabbis, debated priests, instructed Roman centurions. When he died, he died with a sign above his head in three languages. Inra was the abbreviation of one, Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. Now, of course, Pilate sold him short. When Jesus rose from the dead, he defeated Rome. They assassinated him, but he came back. He won. He became a Caesar, in Caesar's head, rather, emperor, not just king, lord of the world, not uh, just Judea. It would take centuries before the world learned of the existence of its new emperor, but eventually the ambassadors reached the known world. It met its new lord, and its, uh, it knew what to do. A new calendar was needed. When a new emperor comes, the clock is reset. It is year one. On it goes until the emperor dies and his region, or rather his reign, ends. Then a new emperor and a new calendar. But what if we had an emperor who will never again die? Then each generation will share the same calendar. We won't date events by the 10th year of the Emperor Augustus or the 8th year of the reign of President Bush or the 50th year of the glorious leader Fidel. We'll calculate them by the 219th or 220th year of the region, or rather the reign of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We'll abbreviate them with A.D. Anno Domini until the Latin of the alleged city of eternal conquest, which remains now only as a linguistic artifact preserved only by the kingdom that it replaced. Well, we're in the year 2020 because there was a king. And in the year 2020 of the reign of Jesus of Nazareth. Well, prophecies about him uh, are rife throughout Scripture, and I wanted to share just a few of them, six to be more precise, prophecies that were fulfilled by Jesus. You can find in the earliest Scriptures of Genesis right through Revelation words about the coming of the Messiah or the Messiah coming again. He was to be born in Bethlehem. The Old Testament foretells of the Messiah being born there. Micah 5.2 says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrath, Thou, uh, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Well, the story of Jesus' birth in Bethlehem is told in the New Testament books of Matthew, Luke, and John. He was born in Bethlehem. He was also born of a virgin. Isaiah 7:14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. The New Testament book of Matthew repeats this prophecy in a passage detailing Joseph's encounter with an angel of the Lord who tells him that Mary's child was conceived by the Holy Spirit and will save his people from their sins. We're told that he was to be from the line of Abraham. And again, I've been studying the book of Genesis, and it's so uh, thrilling to read the, the very origins of the promise, the covenant that was made, in which God made clear that he had plans for man's fallen humanity, fallen nature, for the sin nature we all inherited. He was to be from the line of Abraham. A prophecy of the uh, Messiah being a descendant of Abraham is told in Genesis twenty-two eighteen and elsewhere. And through your offspring, all nations of the earth will be blessed, Abraham was told. The genealogy of Jesus is told in the book of Matthew, which refers to him as the son of David, the son of Abraham. 
He was to be a descendant of Jacob. Numbers 24, 17 says a star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. The genealogy of Jesus laid out in the book of Matthew details his lineage through Isaac and Jacob. He was to be called out of Egypt. The Old Testament foretells Jesus being called out of Egypt in Hosea 11.1. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. Matthew 2.13 is believed to explain this prophecy in which it says, An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And of course, we know the tragic history of young boys who were killed in his stead. And another prophecy, he was to be born among sorrow. The story of Jesus' birth fulfills a prophecy in Jeremiah 31:15. A voice is heard in Ramah, mourning and great weeping, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because her children are no more. Well, this prophecy is repeated in the book of Matthew, which says that King Herod sought to kill Jesus. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and in its vicinity who were two years old or under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled and recorded in Matthew 2:16. It is such a thrill uh, to read scripture and to see how God has woven together the truth and the promises that he has made for a Messiah. Israel never existed for her own, herself alone, we learn from Scripture. When the Lord called Abraham, he aimed beyond Abram's uh, descendants to bless the nations, and the nations have been blessed through his uh, descendant, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we celebrate his birth during this Christmas season, but beyond that, we celebrate the life he lived that made it possible for us to be reconciled to God through him. We're going to talk about that and much more with Pastor Greg Allen when he joins me in the second hour of today's program. Greg Allen is the pastor of Bethany Bible Church. He's also been an adjunct professor at Multnomah uh, University. We're going to talk about the reason for the season and Christmas and how we keep Christ at the center of this recognition of an historic event. We don't have the specific birth date of Jesus, but what we celebrate is the fact that his birth was an historic event. It took place in time and space. It represents the incarnation, and we'll explain more about that later. It in it uh, represents the enfleshment, if you will, of uh, the second person of the Godhead. Uh, and the promise that God made generations before and continued to make was fulfilled on that day. Now, it's one end of a book uh, book end that culminates with his life, certainly his uh, crucifixion and ultimately his resurrection. He now is seated at the right hand of the Father, where Scripture tells us he intercedes for us. More with Pastor Greg Allen when he joins us in the next hour of today's program. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, News and Traffic, up next. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Well, good afternoon and welcome back. You're listening to the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show. Well, there are lots of things I enjoy, especially during this season. And one of them is the opportunity to talk with local pastors about the celebration of Christmas. And I've invited the pastor of Bethany Bible Church, Pastor Greg Allen, to join me for these next few segments to do just that. So first of all, let me just welcome Pastor Greg Allen. Thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Well, let me ask you how this pandemic and the restrictions placed on churches, how has that impacted the worship at Bethany Bible Church? Well, it's, it's been quite, a, quite an adjustment for us. Over the past several months, we have 
uh, been uh, strictly online. Our services have been online, and uh, we've uh, found that uh, we're, we're getting better at that, I think. And we found that we're actually able to reach a larger segment of people mm-hmm. than we would have otherwise expected. Uh, we're, we're reaching people uh, all the way up into the Seattle area. We have uh, somebody who listens in, uh, joins us semi-regularly from Jerusalem, which is a little bit further reach than we're used to. <laughs> and uh, so it's, it's been an adjustment. We miss everyone, but uh, we're, we're trying to do the things that we can do so that when we all finally get back together, we're stronger. Yeah, yeah. I'm always a great believer in the fact that God is at work in ways that we, we're completely unaware of or can't even imagine that even Absolutely. in this pandemic, he's reaching people in ways that our services in the sanctuary uh, could not. So I'm grateful to know that God is continuing to do what only God can do while we do what we can with the resources yes. that he's given us. So I appreciate well, that. Well, I always think of Philippians chapter one, where Paul says that these things have fallen out for the furtherance of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of other churches are doing the same. We're going to be having Christmas services that people who might not go to church will be watching on their phone. You know, so we'll yeah. we'll see some great expansion that way. Now, for folks who are interested in joining you at Bethany Bible Church, what's the best way for them to connect? Now, on Christmas or for that matter, are, anytime. Well, our services uh, for the foreseeable future will continue to be on Facebook Live. Okay. And we have our live service at uh, on Sunday mornings at 10:45 a.m. And uh, these are archived. So when and what we've been finding is people go back later on uh, to watch at their convenience. And so our Wednesday morning Bible study also is online at uh, 10:30 in the morning, and that also is archived. So. The best way to to contact us and and, and join us for the current uh, time being is to join us on Facebook Live. Or go to our Facebook page, Bethany Bible uh, Church's Facebook page, and uh, look for the videos, and you can find us that way. Thank you. Well, we are in the season of Christmas, and culturally, of course, there are lots of things that we do around this season, but I really want to try to get to the heart of what it means to celebrate Christmas. Christmas, which has as its uh, uh, first word, Christ, the, the worship of Jesus and his coming. We're in a very unusual season in that we are in the middle of a pandemic. It is restricted what we can do with one another. Uh, we've seen some of our neighbors contract the uh, the virus. Some have mm-hmm. died in our communities and so on. The, the, the theme of joy is important to the celebration of Christmas. Can you talk a little bit about the phrase joy to the world that we celebrate during this time in the context of this pandemic, and for that matter, difficulties that people face uh, throughout the year that may um, taint their understanding of and ability to experience joy. Well, the yeah, it, it, and unless we're sensitive, I think, to where people are right now, it seems like a kind of a hollow message mm-hmm. uh, with with all of the things that are going on right now. Uh, you know, one of the hymns, you're, you're talking joy to the world, uh, that's always a hymn that we, we love to sing on our Christmas Eve services, and it's, you really think about it, joy to the world is a song about the return of Jesus mm-hmm. and his reign upon this earth. It's right that we sing it on Christmas, because his birth points ahead to his return one day. But one of the songs that, if I may, I happen to have it printed out because we sang it on Sunday morning, 
is the song I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And you're familiar with that one, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. That's uh, Henry Wordsworth Longfellow. And may I just read the words to this? Please. And and think about this. This I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Everyone hears that, and everyone thinks about that. I thought of how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And that's been the theme for the past 2,000 years. But there's all kinds of people all around us that are going, where is it? Where is it? It's not happening. And the, the song goes on, and in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, certainly not here in Portland. For, I, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And I always thought, man, that, that must reflect a, the, the heartbeat of a lot of people right now mm-hmm. as we enter into the Christmas holiday. He goes on, then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Uh, Jesus was born into this world to bring that about, and it's not done yet. It has begun. He has done the work that's necessary to redeem us to God the Father. He's given his life for us. He's gone back to the Father, awaits the Father's command to come and receive us to himself, and he will reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. And that's when peace comes. And that's, that's the, when we celebrate Christmas, I believe we're celebrating the whole uh, joy in the sense of that whole context, uh, a joy that is promised but yet not fully accomplished but has begun, and we celebrate Christmas in such a way as to turn our attention to that promise, kept and fully kept yet to come. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, the resurrection would not have been possible without the incarnation if Christ had not come as God had promised. And as I mentioned to our listeners before, I'm studying through the book of Genesis and just Mm. seeing God carefully um, announce what was to come and keeping his promises. It's just such a joy to consider over the millennia. uh, God carefully provided uh, the lineage of the Messiah. And then when the time was right in his perfect timing, a child was born to us. And Mm -hmm. so there is a joy in knowing him and the reconciliation that we experience because of what Christ has done. But you're right. The whole story is what we rejoice in uh, his coming, which in and of itself is enough to keep us in awe, but also the sinless life that he led and the faithfulness on the cross, his resurrection. Mm -hmm. And he's seated at the right hand of the father interceding for us. And I love the way you put it, waiting for the Father to say it's time to come and bring us yes. uh, into oh, His yes. presence. Now, that's something to rejoice about. Absolutely. You know, when we think about the Lord Jesus Christ, and we think what we're thinking about at Christmas is the story of His incarnation. God mm-hmm. became flesh and walked among us. But we sometimes separate the elements of the whole theological story of who Jesus is and what He's done. We tend sometimes to separate the incarnation from the story of the atonement. Mm -hmm. And those two things must not be separated. They are meant to go together. The atonement of Jesus Christ having died on the cross for our sins, reconciling us to God, was only made possible 
by the Incarnation. And it's the Incarnation, well, it's the Atonement that gives significance to that Incarnation. And unless we're putting those two things together, we're not really getting the whole story. The whole story is the reason for the joy. You know, we can all relate to the sentimentality of a child being born and under mm-hmm. humble circumstances, but the story is so much more than that. So I appreciate your focusing our attention on the whole of the story, what God intended. There was purpose behind Christ's coming. Now, we're going to take a break here in just a moment. We've used the word incarnation. I think we should explain that when we come back. For those who may not be familiar with the the idea, Emmanuel, God with us, uh, Jesus putting on flesh for the sake of uh, fulfilling the Father's uh, will. We'll be back in just a few moments. Again, we're talking with Pastor Greg Allen with Bethany Bible Church. We're talking about Christmas, so stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Glad to have you with us. We're talking with Pastor Greg Allen. He is the pastor of Bethany Bible Church, and we're talking about Christmas. Now, just before the break, we were talking about um, the word incarnation, the fact that Christ came. Can you explain to listeners who may not be familiar with that word what that means and why it's so significant uh, to a Christian understanding of who God is and who Jesus is. Yes, incarnation, it's, you're right, it's one of those words we use, but we don't really think about the meaning that much. And I'm not sure, I'm putting myself into trouble here possibly, because I, th- I think it's a Latin-rooted phrase, but the idea of incarnation, uh, well, forgive me for this, we talk about chili con carne, con, uh, con talks about flesh, that's what that means. And to say, so let's, okay, now having said that, forget what I just said. <laughs> but the incarnation means to be enfleshed. And that's what, that's what happened. Uh, in order to accomplish our atonement, the Son of God had to become one of us. And to become one of us, he had to become one of us, not just partly, but completely. He had to, he didn't, Uh, forgive me for how this may sound, he didn't just find some already existing human being and take that person over. Or he didn't uh, uh, become a human being just by some magical thing that happened to pop out of the ground or something. But he became human in the fullest possible sense, in that God set aside his majesty and glory and condescended to be conceived in the womb of a virgin so that he grew from the real substance of her body just like any human being would do and became fully human, fully entering into the, to the full dimensions of humanity so that he could, uh, well, as it says in, in John chapter 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And he lived that sinless life on our behalf. And then he took the sin debt in our place and paid the death penalty on our behalf on the cross and was buried and was in death and was raised as we will be with him and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Georgine, I think this is a stunning thought. Right now, at the right hand of God, Mm. is a man (laughs) in, in a body, blood, hair, skin, a human body, 
a human being, fully human, sitting at the right hand of God. It's a stunning thought. And he's, his promise is that where he is, then we will be. That's what Amen. the incarnation means. Amen. Jesus is referred to as the Prince of Peace, and we've talked a little bit about this notion of joy and peace, things that are yet to be fully enjoyed in this life. But what does it mean to say that Jesus is the Prince of Peace when you consider the wrath of God and the sinful nature of man? Mm. Well, you know, I'm happening to be preparing uh, a message this Sunday morning. Uh, I, I get a little strange sometimes, and I think, well, I want to talk about deeper things than just the normal Christmas story. Uh, I'd like to talk about the bigger theological issue of it, and one of them is reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, through Christ, through his being born um, among us as one of us, reconciled us to himself. And that's, the, that's why peace is needed. When Adam, as you're reading, of course, when Adam and Eve fell, uh, the, the relationship with God was broken. And then we're all in Adam and Eve. Uh, you know, I think those little Russian dolls, I don't know what they're called, maybe you know, the little Russian dolls where there's one inside the other. Yeah, and the, yeah. You know. Okay, well, we're that little teeny one inside Adam and Eve. And when they fell off the shelf, we all fell with them. And so we need to be reconciled to God. And God has sent his son to be the reconciliation for us. To, to take away the sin barrier so that we can have a relationship with him. The reason peace isn't in the world right now is because people have not uh, trusted that reconciliation, have not entered into the peace with God first. Um, I, I have a, a passage in front of me here, Matthew chapter 10. Jesus said something very interesting. He said, Do not think I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set man against his father, daughter against mother, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. But he then says, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. In other words, all of the whole movement of reconciliation centers upon the person of Jesus Christ and his cross. So, when we talk about peace on earth, goodwill to our men, it is a peace that will happen, but it won't happen in any other way but through and by the person of Jesus Christ who was born on Christmas Day. And so, until we're right with him, until we're right with God the Father through him, there is no peace But peace is now made possible through the blood of Christ. And one day, he will reign upon this earth as King of kings and Lord of lords, and there will be peace. We can learn a lot from the worship of the Savior at his birth. I just marvel at the angels, the heavenly hosts that appeared in the sky. I can't even imagine what that must have been like. And mm-hmm. the words that they shared at that time, the shepherds approaching, the magi coming after following an astronomical uh, sign in the heavens. Um, talk a little bit about the worship of the Savior. It's it's very unique that, that Jesus, mm-hmm. this child, was not just viewed. They didn't just come to see him. They came to worship him. And that says a great deal about who he is, who he was at that moment in history. Yeah. And how we ought to respond to him? Well, yeah, it's it's uh, you you tell a lot about what uh, who Jesus is by 
by these unique uh, experiences of worship of him. The angels, you know, you talked about the shepherds. Uh, I, you and, and Dan and I have been in the place where that happened. Yes, and it's amazing Bethlehem. to imagine it. And just imagine that sky lit up with the angels in glory singing his praises. But they said uh, that this was the news of peace and goodwill to men, uh, for a Savior is born. And so the angels of heaven were bursting through the sky to announce to humanity that God has provided a Savior. And then it's interesting, too, when you mentioned the Magi. They came... um, they were uh, s- scholars and, and students of the stars, and they considered prophetic things carefully. They came uh, not to just worship a baby, but they came to worship him who is born king of the Jews. And that's how they approached him. Mm-hmm. And so I think what uh, these uh, stories that were given in the scriptures of how people greeted the birth of Jesus, these are... These are giving us some pretty strong clues of who he is and how we need to bow to him as well. Yes. I think it's easier for us to consider Christ in the manger because, uh, you know, that innocent child who has not yet spoken uh, does not demand anything from us. But during this season, how might we encourage our friends and family members to consider Christ outside the manger? Well, one of the ways I think it would be very helpful to do that is to tell the story of of uh, the the Annunciation to Mary yes. in Luke chapter one, the story of how uh, the angel Gabriel came to to her and greeted her and uh, told her what was about to happen. I mean, that story alone is just so amazing, and her humbleness, of course, in receiving what God wanted to do. But the angel said. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And, you know, I, when, when I read the Gospel of Luke, for example, and we're, we're doing a study of the Gospel of Luke right now in our Wednesday morning group, everything that happens in that Gospel points backward to that amazing announcement. It explains how it is that Jesus did what he did. It explains why he taught the things he taught or how the progress of the story as he made his way to Jerusalem to die for us, what the significance of it all is, comes from that announcement. And I'm, in answering your question, I think one of the greatest things we can do is, is tell people that story and remind them of the significance of who Jesus is as indicated by his birth. Uh, I would say, too, it might be helpful for us to say his birth was normal. <laughs> he was, as far as I know, mm-hmm. he was born the way we all were, but he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. It was the conception that made that birth a miracle. And that's, I think that's what we, we need to remind people of so they understand that we're not just worshiping a baby born in a manger. We're, we're celebrating God in human flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. We need to take a quick break, but we'll continue our conversation. We're talking with Pastor Greg Allen from Bethany Bible Church. We're talking about Christmas and all of the issues and subjects surrounding that occasion. So stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. I'm continuing my conversation with Pastor Greg Allen from Bethany Bible Church. Now, I understand you're preaching this Sunday from Colossians, the first chapter. Mm. 
Uh, it's one of my favorite um, pieces of scripture, particularly around the 15th verse, that really uh, explains to us who Jesus is and how he is a uh, is the image of the invisible God. Tell us a little bit about your um, your plans for this Sunday. <laughs> well, you I hope uh I can adequately do so because I'm just getting started. But, uh, <laughs> this is a test. So I better I better whatever I tell you now, I better end up saying uh in 1 Corinthians, oh, excuse me, in Colossians chapter 1. Yeah, you're right. Colossians is an amazing book. Mhm. It's a, it's a it's a letter in the New Testament that shows us the supremacy of Christ. It shows us who Jesus is, and I love it because it just is uh, it, it is contrary to every false human philosophy. It just shatters every other human philosophy and points us to Jesus Christ. But in Colossians chapter one, uh, where I'm I'm studying. And, and now I guess I'm committed, um, <laughs> is in First excuse me, Colossians chapter 1, verses, starting with verse 19, it says, that, you know, after the part that you mentioned, that he is the invisible image of the invisible God, the firstborn of our creation, it says, for it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. And I think that's talking about the incarnation. I think that he... God gave his son in love for us that the whole full dimension of all of humanity, fallen and in need, is summed up in him and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things in earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And then he goes on to say this, and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Now, the reason I'm wanting to point to that is because I believe that's what gives significance to this whole thing that we celebrate on Christmas. God, in love, has given his Son to reconcile us to himself. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so if we want to understand Christmas in its fullest dimension, we need to see how God loves us so much that he sent his son in order to make it possible for the barrier to be taken away and for us to be reconciled to him so that we can have the fullest joy all the time in a relationship with God our maker. That's what I'm proposing to talk about on Sunday. (laughs) That's going to be good. I'm going to have to sit in on that one. (laughs) Oh, please, please. You know, Genesis... um, illustrates what God intends and intended from the the foundation of the earth when he makes mention of um, the fact that there is going to be a savior coming that will crush the head of the the serpent. He selects Abraham, and you read the story of Abraham and his life and the covenant that God makes with Abraham. He's beginning way back then, generations ago, to um, to keep his promise, to make a promise first, then to keep it and to carry it through the generations. I wonder um, what we should be thinking about, and you've made mention of this already, but what the birth of Jesus tells us about uh, the promised return of Jesus, which will be very different. There's a contrast between his first 
first coming, the incarnation, mm-hmm. the baby in the manger, and the second coming of Christ, which God has also promised and therefore will come to pass. Well, uh, our hope in the promise of Jesus' return is based on God's prophetic, prophetic promises. It hasn't happened yet, so we look ahead to the promises that God has made. But I think that to answer your question, the way we can be assured of his second coming is by the way the promises of his first coming have been completely fulfilled to the letter. Uh, Many people have looked at all the stories that have been told in the scriptures regarding Jesus' first coming and have put together, you know, prophetic promise and fulfillment together. And, uh, oh, I've got a list of those somewhere in my office. I don't have them in hand. But it's amazing to see mm-hmm. how God fulfilled the promise. Well, we have this promise in the scriptures as well. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 9, uh, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And then it goes on to say, The government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, the first part of that is about his birth, Mm -hmm. but the remainder of it is about his return and his reign upon this earth. You know, in our Christmas Eve service, we always like to read that last that that passage from Isaiah and then the last thing that we do is we sing joy to the world the lord has come let earth receive her king and so uh, to answer your question the christmas is almost a stamp of guarantee of the promise of his return let heaven and nature sing let me ask you about your family and how you uh, keep christ at the center of Christmas. Now, you're a pastor, and the expectation is that you are reciting scripture rather than having normal conversation in your household. Mm-hmm. But what are, mm-hmm. your, what are your family traditions, and how do you keep Christ at the center of your Christmas celebration? Well, ordinarily, you know, I always ask in our church, how many of you are the Christmas Evers and how many of you are the Christmas morningers, you know? Uh, There's a pretty good mix of the people who open their presents and celebrate on Mm -hmm. Christmas Eve and those who celebrate on Christmas morning. We we tend to celebrate Christmas Eve. Yeah, we're Christmas Eve, too. Yeah, Christmas Evers. And we have, uh, I have a son and his wife who live in San Francisco and another one, he and his wife live here in Beaverton. And uh, ordinarily, we get together on Christmas Eve, and we have a, a wonderful time together. Uh, my my Marilyn is, is as you know, uh, limited in what she's able to do, so we have to kind of keep the, the, you know, we don't gather around and do a festive dance or something. We pretty much keep it low-key. But uh, uh, we wouldn't do a festive dance anyway. <laughs> but uh, we... Uh, uh, or uh, this this time we are we are planning to uh, have our Christmas Eve service on uh, online, and then we gather on uh, line as well. <laughs> so we're going to be uh, trying to gather uh, our family together uh, by the computer screen, and we'll have a, a, a very merry Brady Christmas or something. We'll have the Brady <laughs> bunch all there on the screen, and uh, we'll uh, enjoy it that way. And that's. That's it. Kind of feels like well, that's the best you can do right now. But uh, I I think these kind of limitations make us by necessity focus on the real meaning of Christmas, not 
not so much the um, the trinkets and the uh, the the uh, celebrative events. We we really have to focus on on Christ was born, and and I think in some ways it's been better for us that way. Yeah, I think it really has um, kind of marshaled our attention on the main thing, and I'm I'm hoping that will be the case for many people who perhaps have never taken the opportunity um, to focus on why are we celebrating Christmas and uh, getting to the heart of the matter. So I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, with the use of technology and our limitations, um, the things that would uh, perhaps distract us will be less appealing or even available through this season. So I'm hopeful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you have a favorite Christmas carol? Oh, my goodness. Uh, there must be about 10 or 12 of them. Uh, I I love Silent Night. Mm-hmm. I love Silent Night. I love the sound of it, and it's it's just uh, and 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 the theme and the 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 beautiful poetic imagery it presents us of that glorious moment of God in flesh upon this earth, born among us, and I love that one. We also have some folks that uh, we they they'd get pretty sore if we didn't sing that one on Christmas Eve. So we <laughs> we got to make sure that one's there. But uh, well, I love them all. I'm not too crazy about Santa Baby. I can do without that one. <laughs> yeah, but the I, rest I of can them, do without that. <laughs> yeah, if I hear that one one more time, I just might <laughs> I might break into a festive dance. I don't. Know. Well, let's, uh, let's just hope and pray you don't hear that one for the yeah. sake of us all. Well, Pastor Greg, I so appreciate your ministry in our community. I know that you are the shepherd to many in this uh, this area and your idyllic location uh, here in Portland and your faithfulness to God's word, your willingness to, to take your time. You've got other things to do to talk with us here on the air. So I just want to say thank you to you. Merry Christmas to you, your family. And please tell your sons I said the same and your lovely wife, Marilyn. It's always I a joy to will. hear from you and to consider God's good word. Thanks and for joining to you us. you as well, to you and Dan and to your wonderful mother. And I know that this Christmas season you are so busy. You're the busiest person I know of during this time. And uh, probably with a lot of the things that are going on, some of that has had to be curtailed or, or yes. adapted. But uh, much prayers to you and God's hand upon you and Dan this Christmas. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. God bless. Bye-bye. Again, Pastor Greg Allen is the pastor at Bethany Bible Church, Facebook Live. You can pick up uh, his Christmas sermon. You can also see the archived sermons and the Bible studies that are done on their Facebook page or Facebook Live. Check that out, Bethany Bible Church. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We need to take a quick break and wrap things up, so stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. I so appreciate Pastor Greg Allen sharing with us from God's Word. He mentioned he's going to be teaching this Sunday out of First Colossians, or I should say Colossians 1. Let's get the numbers right. I just wanted to share with you from verse 15, which is one of my favorites in Scripture, uh, through where he um, mentioned through verse uh, 19. It simply reads, and this is the NIV version. There may be better versions for understanding this, but the Son referring to Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. 
and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your sin, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Now, if you want to know a definition of peace, to be reconciled by Christ's physical body through his death and being presented as holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. That doesn't mean I don't make mistakes, that I'm without sin. It's, it says that God sees me. He has appropriated to me the righteousness of Christ. You want to have joy? It's the whole story of the life and ministry of Jesus that brings joy and peace to the believer. Now, experiencing that in the wider world is yet to come, as Pastor Greg pointed out. But there is an inner peace. There is a joy that surpasses our understanding that is the work of the Holy Spirit, which is promised to us when we come to faith in Christ. So we have reason, regardless of our physical circumstance, to rejoice in this and every season because of what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ, that began with his incarnation, with his enfleshment, as Pastor Greg explained. And what a season we have to rejoice. One of my favorite Christmas carols, which I rarely sing, if ever, is Come Thou Long Expected Savior, which simply says that, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins, release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king, born to reign in us forever. Now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone. By thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne." I appreciate that it is God's zeal, as the scripture in Isaiah suggests. It's God's zeal that accomplished the promises that he has made. It's not you and I mustering up enough energy and trying to generate a movement. God himself, he says his zeal is going to accomplish everything he has promised. His purpose will be accomplished, not because of what I am doing. I'm hoping it's not in spite of what I'm doing, but because God's zeal is going to accomplish the things that he has said. So I rejoice in who God is and how I can know who God is through his son, the perfect representation of who God is, the the radiance uh, of God, the image of the invisible God. So I'm, I'm thrilled during this season because it gives us an excuse to stop and pause and reflect on what Christ has done for us, to look ahead to what Christ did for us on the cross and to consider what Christ is doing for us at this very moment, seated at the right hand of the Father, where we are told he is making intercession for us. He is still considering us and interceding before the Father, and the time will come when he will return. It won't be like the first time, uh, where most of the world just goes on as if nothing had happened. Every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God when he returns the second time. And my hope and prayer is that we will come to know him, more and more of us, in a deeper way, so that we are prepared for that coming, that second coming of Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Well, today happens to be my last live broadcast of the year 2020. 
I'm going in for a surgery tomorrow, and it's not a life-threatening event, but it is surgery. And so I'm going to be off from the uh, remainder of um, this year, beginning Friday, which is December 18th, through January 4th, which will be the first Monday of the new year. Now, things aren't going to change much in 2021 in terms of our isolation, but I'm hopeful that during this season of reflection and celebration, we'll all draw a bit closer to him, better prepared for what lies ahead, and equipped and determined to share the peace of Christ with those around us who are struggling. Come, thou long-expected Savior. He has come, and he will come again. It's been such a pleasure. I hope you enjoy your holiday season, and I look forward to talking with you again next year. I should mention we have some guests. Uh, guest host tomorrow, Mike Lee, will sit in for me. We also have Pastor Rich and Associate are going to host one of the programs next week. We have some special Christmas programming and the week between Christmas and New Year, the best of the Georgine Rice Show. So I hope you will enjoy all of that and join us live on January the 5th. I want to thank James Blinn for producing, Clark Hilton for engineering, Dan Rice for the use of his office, and thank you for making the Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ.